0: Pubic Symphysis. <laughs> I just thought we, we just started off naming body parts. Um, SOS.
1: Is it SOS or SOAS?
0: It uh, depends on where it's you come so from. As. And if you're an asshole, it's SOS as if you're an asshole.
1: <laughs> we'll let Lon Kilgore know that when he comes on, <laughs> on the show. Remember, did you guys take that AMP course when it was offered to us like five, six years Law, ago? Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Yep. And all yeah. of a sudden during the GHD lecture, everyone was saying SOS. All of a sudden, because that's how Lon was saying it in the AMP yeah. course. Um, real quick introduction of this guy, in case you live under a rock: Andrew Charlesworth, CFL three CrossFit Midwest affiliate account representative. Fancy way of saying he Seminar runs staff. shit in the Midwest. Seminar staff. Seminar staff, owner of Affili- affiliate owner to Abor, husband to a phenomenal woman, father to two boys, former, were you Go division ahead. one basketball player?
2: Division two
0: basketball player.
2: First, uh, technically oh. division one. He's probably going to bring that up at some point. I uh, was not going to bring that up. Year. I
0: was not going to bring that up, but I was going to bring up, I know you're an MJ guy, so how do you feel about LeBron taking the scoring title all time?
2: Did you, um, I actually posted it the other day. You watched, obviously, The Last Dance. Fern, you had to have.
1: I watched the
0: last day. It's one of the greatest documentaries of all time. I I
2: I sat up, I worked a seminar this weekend. I sat up and watched like a a tweet of Jordan where like they play that music in the end, and he says, like, if you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. I literally just watched that and I'm over and over and I'm like, what what has happened to the game? I can't put anything in today's game in context of the Jordans. You know, I, I just so no, I feel no emotion behind that whatsoever.
0: I, I didn't think that you would. I was curious. But yeah. I think I think that's how anybody that has nostalgia about like a like when you grew up in one era and then there's a new era of something. Probably we CrossFit's no different. You know, well, we, we, like, will, we will we'll have the 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 Fronings and the and the Frasers. Like there will be multiple eras of, of Yeah. Fit.
1: And and it's kind of like a real sport wrestling. Like a lot of people, you know, will tell you John Cena, best wrestler, but we all know it's Randy Macho Man Savage.
0: Or Hulk Hogan, if you're All really right trying sure. to be serious about this.
1: <laughs> I'm with Joby. You got to go with Jordan over LeBron. But who would right now? Fern Charlesworth one on one.
0: Speaking, hold on, real quick. I just got did a you package. Get there Jordan's. I, I wish I have really tiny feet. <laughs> <laughs> what did
1: you get? What is in that square box? It's
0: uh, you know who's uh, you went know, Tanya. She's like, I'm sending you guys a uh, 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 Tanya and Joby.
1: Oh, they I, Tanya. I thought that was private. I thought that was just <laughs> me. Burn got a box too. It
0: literally just it just got dropped off just now. You're sending me all these
1: shout nice out. messages. You too? Sh-
0: shout out CrossFit Morales. Yeah,
1: you didn't make it on her post-it note at home though, did you?
0: No, I just I made that. am in a framed picture above the headboard of their bed. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's true. BJ Armstrong. I know that guy. Corey. Can you name the starting five? It was Jordan, Pippen, Cartwright, BJ Armstrong, and then a white dude. Luke Longley, like what? Luke Longley. What yeah, Algecant,
0: yeah. yeah. That, they they did win six rings. So
1: I like uh, Stockton Malone. Stockton was my dude. And Great of play. course, Muggsy Bogues. Of course, Muggsy Bogues. But by the so who wins? Who wins one on one?
2: It's too hard of a question, right? Like we played completely different hard. roles. One in of position. you is
1: better than the other.
2: One on one doesn't mean you're a better basketball player.
1: It Look, Is Cody actually pulling his hair out right now, Is that Cody pulling his hair out? Or... <laughs> it's
0: like we, this show is screwed right now.
1: I, I mean, I don't know a lot about basketball. I'm going simply off height.
0: That's an overstatement. You don't know anything about basketball. You're probably so bad at basketball, Jay. Like you are probably
2: one. Wrestlers are notoriously the worst basketball players. I have
1: life. brought this up on previous shows. Yeah, I have literally brought this up. We do real man things. We don't just shoot balls at a circle. <laughs> We try to hurt each other, you, you know. Um, but anyway, because I see Andrew dribbling down, posting up, big guy. You're gonna do like one of these, like a like a. Remember uh, who did you were that a, one? Magic. You were,
0: you were like a swing man, right? You're like a two, three. Yeah, I
2: played. I played four, the four, maybe in three. Okay, so I played three, four. Okay. That Which is, is like? Much what much numbers height, have numbers? There's a lot of height there. Like that. And, exactly. and by
1: the way, this is all a segue to anatomy. Because we're talking anatomy and physiology today. Then
2: you take that over, because what segue are you speaking of?
1: We were talking height. We were talking femur lengths. Torso. Somebody said to me the other day, "You have a long torso." I was like,
2: "No, I want to bring that." Really, the
1: first time I've ever heard that.
2: Last level two, I worked. Now I don't know if you guys feel the same way. You could definitely call me out on this, but you know where we talk about like okay, maybe somebody does have a long torso or they have a short torso, long femur that's going to change their movements, their setups, et cetera. I agree, but typically we put those people in a camp of tall versus short, which is very untrue. The only reason I was ever any sort of competitive in CrossFit is because at my height, I have normal to even small person levers. Whereas you can have long person levers and be short. Austin Maliolo,
1: Maliolo, for example, why he could deadlift... 7,000 pounds, but you know, his snatch like 245 still a great snatch by the way, but relative to his other lifts. And I agree with you, Andrew, a lot of times in the deadlift breakout group, it's not that you're tall or short. It's always that your, your other torso is long or your, or your femur or your legs are long, right? If If you have normal proportions, you look normal in your setup position. It's when you have either a short torso or long legs. And I always say like, Hey, This setup looks a little different than we're used to, but check it shoulders above the bar, shoulders above the hips, hips above the knees, knees above the ankles, right? Like those don't change how that looks may change a little bit
0: before we get into that real quick. So just general overview, we're going to talk AMP for dummies, which all three of us on this call definitely (laughs) qualify. Yep. And so Andrew, you have, how long have you had your affiliate? Like seven years?
2: Fifteen. So that would be eight years. Almost ish. eight years. Yeah. Okay. So almost eight great years. Great
1: affiliate. Great programming done by uh Mrs. Charlesworth. Mm-hmm. Killer logo. Um badass logo. It's on his leg. He's got a tattoo of his logo.
0: do. I'm not putting that logo on my leg. Um, but I appreciate your uh your dedication to that. The so real quick, so so obviously you own your affiliate, you how many do you have not that it matters? How many seminars? Like a hundred to 200 ish I'm
2: over 200 definitely okay it's over
0: 200 right so not no shortage there obviously you and and a a bit of a a bit of a training nerd with regard to um just movement in general and then um you know different things like bodybuilding too so you've been you've you you like to nerd out on on the stuff
2: I like to nerd out on absolutely everything.
1: Wait, right. Can you block Corey Leonard on YouTube, please?
0: <laughs> Corey Leonard, actually, and this is we're gonna go the reverse order, Corey. We are gonna donate five dollars to you <laughs> for that comment. <laughs> the uh so when it comes to AMP anatomy and physiology, the 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 technical jargon of coaching. Let let's let's start off with a like a broad overview of this. Cause here's what coaches here's what I think we should talk about. Like how much of it do I need to know? How much of it should be communicated? How important is it? Like, do I need to go buy an AMP book? Do I need to know insertion? Do I need like, like what, what is the point? I would love, here's the deal. Just give me the facts.
2: Wow. Okay. That was, (laughs) that was pretty good.
1: He's good. He's good, Cody.
2: Before Ackerman takes that one over. I was, no, no, I don't have an answer for it. I I was an ex-phys major in college and I had a super senior year post-basketball. So, like, I remember not caring so hard about my finals that I would actually bring in the Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, the level one manual. This was, like, in 2010. And I would, like, I would say, hey, why is this stuff important? Like, look at these pages. Even referring to the a for jocks, because I'm, like, movements about the spine. There's the spine. Here's the pelvis. Here's the femur. I'm looking at natural movements. What else do I really need to know? Like, what's, what's so important about the agonist antagonist now we know it it is important like when you really dive into those rabbit holes but for most trainers this is all you need i could you guys could disagree but it's all right here if you can understand if you can draw if you can see frontal planes if you can understand why a bar over your head the torso going forward to be incorrect all those sorts of things like i love it i think this this is one of my favorite like uh this is one of my favorite f used to the um
0: so the more complicated world are you opening so you're your so, present
1: right now Fern? by the way
0: oh yeah i wanted to see what was Did in there what would you get i have, I have, I, have, I, have I have fomo is there yeah, candy yeah. These, for sure these are i don't know if these are paleo but they're definitely chocolate chick chocolate andrew this cookies. is one of our clients paleo. in
1: texas
0: um sends cookies very so. very very nice yeah but they're probably they're probably protein cookies just for the record paleo it's all good yeah, paleo. uh those guys definitely uh, oops. Uh, this is Tanya and Joby Cross Virilis. Caveman definitely had. Oh, nutrition.
1: that's a sweet shirt. I can't wait to that get. That is my... a sweet shirt. Yeah. shirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: and the logo's on the back. Shout out team. Cool. Um, thank you guys. Um,
1: no, I think the.
0: So, but you actually took A and P courses, right? Andrew, oh, you yeah. And you would have had you in as exercise. Yeah. So, did you take? Did you take one and two, or did you have to take one? I would assume you have to take one and two. No,
1: I did take depends one. Depends on and if two. It's your major. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We had okay. um,
2: we had to take them with the nurses at school too, and that was a huge weeder class for them to get out. And so it was terrible.
1: Anatomy and Fizz was absolutely terrible. That's like organic chemistry for pre-med, right? It was like well, weeds organic, out chemistry well
0: organic chemistry is no, that is a terrible class. I I had to take that. The but AMP AMP does have some not to do, say I don't want to undervalue it. Like it's it at least valuable. Like I can take that information and I can somehow like create reference points as a trainer to make myself more knowledgeable, right? Like I remember taking sure. both of those classes, I and I took them post grad as well. Um, but but I will tell you, I've never said any of those things in a class. I've never coached anybody in those in in, in with any of that information. I have found it. This is me personally. I have found it to be useful to understand where my swim lane ends and somebody else's begins. And that's where I think it's most valuable, right? It's just like understanding the mechanics of movement and understanding like that's probably some sort of, I don't know, call it a bony blockage or significant, uh, um, impairment that I am not qualified or, or capable of dealing with at this point. And the difference between understanding, okay, how should these body parts work together? What should, how should they be moving? And then is that a position thing? Or is that a literally an anatomy problem that we have standing in front of us right now? That's where I think it's valuable. And outside of that, I, I it, you should know it, but it's not something you use every day on the floor. I don't, I don't know how else yeah, to say. I, that.
1: I would put it along the lines of saying things like midline stabilization, posterior chain engagement. Like you need to know that. However, you should not be talking about it. Uh, what photo do what, what photo we got here? For, or, uh, go oh, ahead. yes,
0: dude. So Jimmy Letchford sent me this last night. Pull this up. Oh, for no. Since where We're talking, about basketball. Oh we're talking about basketball. Oh my goodness, this, this is
1: you right in the middle, isn't it? With the right, jersey on, like the, yeah. I
0: basically look like the only guy that didn't play in that game because I'm, I'm still like, hey, bring
1: in the players. water guy, bring in the water guy, and <laughs> let, <it be> a... <laughs> <laughs> let him be in the picture. What is this? What have you won? What have you won it's here?
0: This, uh, this, I bu- yeah, this is immediately following. This is my freshman year, actually. So, this is immediately following at the army navy game where we beat uh, army. So what so. is that
1: trophy that that dude's? So it's
0: kind of like the commander in chief's trophy, but for like, but for basketball, the football one's different, but I literally yeah. got that yeah. last night. So I was on a group text where that came through last night.
1: Um, uh, Every James year, B- whoever wins this game gets that, uh, one of those.
0: Uh, yeah. So, well, in the commander in chief's trophy is like the, in football, so that it's army, Navy, uh, and then air force. But then, um, in basketball, it's just the Army-Navy game. So, like, that's a big one every year. It's, like, the most important game of the year. But that's immediately following that game.
1: How Of the four years you played, how many times did you win the Army-Navy Army Navy game? Three. Three of the four? Nice. Did you play in this game? Because it doesn't look like you played, though.
0: To be very candid with you, the likelihood of me playing in that game is probably low. I believe I'm the only freshman in this picture. But I might have. Like, the only re- – I don't remember, honestly – the only way i would have made it in that game is if we were winning by a good bit and then they're just like trying to get guys on the floor so you can get so they have you wear a sweater at school or you get a, like it's like a letterman jacket but it's a sweater and if you if you play in the game where you beat army um then I you get like a the star party, then you get the a life. star so okay. just for reference that guy right there th- uh, 34 like the guy holding the trophy he's like 6'11" he's now a uh, he's a uh, um a pediatrician, I believe. Nice. Um, yeah, super smart dude. Doctor. Yeah, doctor, doctor Cunningham. Um, Meanwhile, you're anyway.
1: a CrossFit coach. That's great. <clears> we're, and hey,
0: like- we're we're both in the health and fitness spaces. We both Um. All no, right. but I literally, I, 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 ran in, I ran into him in the hospital one day. He's literally 6'11", and he was just lumbering down when we were do, taking Logan to a uh, to like a pediatrician appointment or something like that. And I was like, "Cun," and I was like, he's like the biggest dude in the hospital, dude. He's enormous,
1: a yeah, redhead. 6'11 is-
0: yeah, he's like a 14 shoe. It's it's
1: wild. I would imagine <laughs> being tall is harder than being short. Yeah, it's pain. I mean, I'm not. I'm
0: neither. I, I have no idea. I'm, tall, I'm normal. I'm
2: barely tall, and it's still like it
1: hurts. Every time you travel, you post pictures, and your knees are like, Hitting the seat in front of you, Andrew, and I'm like laying down, sprawled out. So. Every
2: time, every time I like get annoyed about something, I instantly do think of you. I think like, <laughs> what would you like? i you you you're, you posted something the other day. You're like, I'm up early, taking a taking a cold bath. I was at seven a.m. I'm like, dude, you you have no idea how many things I've already done before you've remotely even sniffed of getting up. <laughs> Like Andrew
1: if, reminds me that with baby number two coming, you're you're I'm, yeah, I'm in trouble. So let's bring it back to this. Do either of you talk any bit A and P in your on ramp? Well, let me ask you, do you have an on ramp, Andrew?
2: Uh, okay, you asked me, I'm gonna tell you the answer no.
1: <laughs> thank you. That is how the show works.
2: There's a lot so, of different models, right? Yeah, you, well, that, I think you, that's I choose right. the model that works for me. It doesn't mean I don't recommend that to affiliates. We're getting four to, I get four to five conversations a day with affiliates. And I, I, I asked them like, whatever works for you is going to work. And this is what I do, but it does not mean that it's going to make you the most money. It does not mean it's going to make your clients the best movers, like figure out what you're good at and do it.
0: There is, there is no one size fits all there. There's Absolutely. so many variables that go into designing that. But I like
2: what um, you did for in the other day, I think you posted, um, you guys are doing the weeds here, so we can ring it back in. But you posted something, Fern, that was so fucking good. Um That's No, it was, um, man, you did. Oh, it's coming back to me. So it was about an on-ramp-ish, I think. And you said, like, all the stuff's in the weeds about of what this session looks like. You might have somebody coming in for an on-ramp, and you might spend time talking to them about their emotions, their eating habits, their whatever, like the last thing you're going to do is read off a script and be like, okay, I'm going to teach you the squat today. And like, I love that so much because that brings so much value to that client. They're going to be with you. They're going to remember that forever. Even if they don't touch, we don't have to call it a no sweat intro. We can just call it a meeting with Fern for his gym and whatever,
0: Which which I'm taking appointments. You are? Yeah, taking appointments. Yeah, there you go. My, my calendar's yeah, open.
2: Awesome. I love that. I wish I could have like reshared it, but I don't have a repost.
1: You do. I don't,
2: it's, yeah. it's, 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 <laughs> I don't have one. I don't Everybody have
0: a re- has one. <laughs> um, but no. So no, I don't either. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it either.
1: Making fun of me in the chat. You see this, this is, Cody? It's, it's, it's Nick, a new sport. Nick, this is. A, I,
0: this is it's because this is a sport. To... This is a sport that's below basketball and above wrestling.
1: I I expect this of Corey Nick. You, I thought better of. You know, I thought we were friends. I thought all this coach's development we've been doing meant something. Now I see it's all, it's all for nothing. Um,
0: but no, I don't. We don't. We don't talk really anything in there. With the extent of addressing injuries and then the yeah. the basic mechanics of good movement, but that's it.
2: Do you do? Oh, you was- Did you do that? Um, do you do that at your gym, Fern? Do you actually have like an op- an offer for a intro meet with a coach session that the client can pay for, or is it is that?
0: We yeah. I mean, my current setup is we and we have run many many variations of this. The current is somebody reaches out to us, we schedule a consult with them. They come in, and that consult is there's no training. It's a it's usually booked for 20 minutes. Yeah. Series of questions, figure out what they want to do. Uh, and then from there we book their, in the into their into their like accelerator package, which is like their personal training sessions, their nutrition consult, all that kind of stuff, and then and then move from there. That's that's the way we currently run it. We've run all sorts of other stuff, but that we just happen to be able to facilitate that right now. By
1: the way, if anyone wants to learn more about the accelerator package that Fern offers at CrossFit Rife, go to Monday's episode. We broke down your front end
0: offer. Yeah. Like how to build a front end offer.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's let's talk about question number two that Cody shot us. And I was just having a conversation about this yesterday for an, in our coaches uh, development group. Um, Cause we were going over the nine foundational movements. We were talking points of performance and faults, mm-hmm. and there's often confusion between muted hip and lack of hip extension. So I'm interested in hearing Andrew, you are our guest. How do you describe the difference what is the difference for those listening? Let's break it down so anyone watching now knows the difference between muted hip and lack of hip extension.
2: All right. So the thing about muted hip, you're talking practical application of what movement? Are we talking the jerk or catching it in the clean?
1: Well, it th- typically happens in one of two movements, right? The push press or the uh, receiving position of the clean, like you just said.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, you're just, you just repeated what I just said. So I, you... Do you want me to talk about practical application of in a push press or in catching it in a clean?
0: You pick. I don't know what to do.
2: <laughs> I I think it's more problematic. Um so in a an other world, I used to be a kettlebell sport guy. And a lot of people You have a couple
1: of world records.
2: Yes, I do. Just one, not a couple. But um <laughs> they they're big on the you actually rest in what cross in a
0: muted hip position, right?
2: And, and you would think that, but it's actually not your quads are extended and you dig your elbows into your essentially belt. If you can, and you push your hips forward and that's the strongest position for the task at hand. And just like we talked about in the technique lecture that is for sports specificity right there. But if you catch a clean with a muted hip position, you're in overextension. The load is behind you. You're, you're asking for a back injury. So like for me, It's much more dangerous in catching a clean than light push presses. Like I feel like it's more of more of an efficiency and I don't know if you guys agree more of an efficiency in cycling jerks and push presses more of a danger if we start getting into that heavier clean. So I'm,
0: I'm, I don't I know really that it's efficient. That. I could see that it's. I would. I would argue that it's less problematic. But I would. I'd, I'd yeah, I. i jump on the. Yeah, it's not an. It's. a, yeah. me, Oh, you meaning it's. It's an efficiency problem. Not yeah, like efficiency. it, it okay. could be
2: more efficient if we
0: get rid of that. Um, Correct. I mean, it could. Yeah, I mean, it, that's obviously load dependent. But yes, I would. I would largely agree with what you're saying. And then we would have to. We would have to throw context on there for like who is this person? What are they doing?
1: Yeah. But here, here's you know. I think there's a often a disconnect when people start looking at quarter extremity. So for example, the sumo dell'a tie pull, right? When someone pulls early, a lot of times newer coaches will be, they, they didn't hit hip extension. And I said, no, no, they're standing tall at the end. It's a matter of did the hip extension is going to happen. Did it happen before the arms bent or after the arms bend?
0: So Here's actually, Cody, bring up the manual real quick. Let's, I, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's graze through some of the, the, the photos and stuff in here, right? So that we can just about, so if, if you haven't read this, you should take it or, or you should read it, um, scroll down just a little bit. So if you've, if you've attended your level one or level two, you've probably seen some variation of these diagrams, um, scroll up just a little bit, Cody. Cody's broken. What Cody, what yeah, happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, two, f- Right so not necessarily that overextension one not these go back up to the original one.
1: Kanan's going to be at your summit this weekend uh Andrew Yeah a bunch
0: of people are.
2: I had dreams of my intro. Yeah
0: so so this one right here so like just understanding like this is kind of like the dummy's way of drawing the the human the the skeletal structure so that it makes sense and and it's kind of like you know for for kids essentially. So you'll probably be you know you should get familiar with this just to understand like where the mechanisms for uh, hip hinge or flexion or extension happen. And then scroll down just a little bit, um, Cody to those other photos. And then the other ones are based on uh, flexion and extension. So if we're talking about anatomy, like with the extent of like where, where everybody should be, at least in my opinion, should be super honed in and as a couple of places, right. Flexion and extension, right. What you just referenced Jay, which is core to extremity and that's a sequence thing, right? But I still need to understand the anatomy of the body to do that. And then probably internal versus external rotation, right? If you could get really honed in on those three things, you could solve a lot of problems for people, right? When we're talking about anatomy and physiology, not necessarily physiology, but like anatomy, right? So, We're talking about nerding out on these, like you do need to know these things because the number of people that Jay and Andrew, I'm sure that you guys have seen that said, you know, muted hip when they meant lack of hip extension, or they said internal when they meant external, um, or sometimes to say flexion versus extension. Like those are things that are problematic. And if you're not super up to speed on that stuff, what will happen is you will say something that is incorrect. Somebody else will know that's incorrect. And now what I'm trying to teach and what I've just said, don't match. And this becomes a teaching problem. Right. So from a standpoint of understanding the nuances of these things, that's where I think that stuff is super important. The other thing that I think is important here is the why the anatomy is is super important is the simplicity of it. Meaning like. Every position or everything that you're going to look at, if you think about movement in general, is one body part relative to another body part. Right. So like pop quiz here, Jay, uh, give me the squat stance.
1: Shoulder width.
0: Okay. What is shoulder width?
1: Feet underneath your shoulders.
0: So heels, roughly shoulder width, right? Okay. So for thinking, so and Did I then get that Andrew, wrong? I just got that wrong. Kind of yeah, like you would okay, if, okay. if that was a multiple choice, you would have gotten it wrong because that would you would have chosen all of
1: the above, all the above.
0: <laughs> so then Andrew for for deadlift, what is the stance? Feet under hips, right? So, heels, or, you know, like
1: heels under hips,
0: right? Or something between hip width and shoulder width, right? So like. Damn it! Do you guys do you guys know
1: this information?
0: I'm just wondering. What, both of you is right? this part of the level?
1: <laughs> this
0: is part is a level five. This is part of the level five.
1: You gotta learn this stuff. I'm not kidding. It's important.
2: <laughs> <laughs> these are great. Those are.
0: I mean, is he? Th- uh,
1: we paid Cody a full time wage just to do that.
0: Just to do this is these all he memes, does. His videos. The uh, but so this is where I think the stuff is valuable because when if you're not looking at the human body to say where should their hands be? Where should their feet be? The question is relative to what? Yeah. Right. If, right. That's, that's how you start to make those decisions, which makes them, uh, you know, pretty easy. And so Jay or Andrew, how many people have you seen come in the squat breakout and they have their, their squat stance where their heels are roughly hip width apart.
2: You know, a lot, but I also try to tell them too, And this isn't a push back on the level one. Some of the best flow masters I've ever worked with will say, this is a blueprint, right? So it's points of performance. Now, I'm going to give you a blueprint of. I want your heels underneath your shoulders for the squat stance, and your toes slightly out. But the last thing you want a client to say is "ouch, that hurts me." And I've had people leave CrossFit gyms because they 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 felt too cornered. And I I've, I've pushed back on coaches when I'm like, the level one is fantastic. It's arguably one of the best things you can take. But if you're not adaptable to be able to recognize movement in regards to the points of performance, then you you kind of got to. You know, you got to go back be like, wow, something doesn't look natural about that, and that I think goes back to this anatomy thing, right? Like a lot, but a lot. To your answer, so many people go right to their hips, and it's too narrow. <laughs> Majority of people, it's too narrow.
0: But I agree with your your statement, and and those. That stance is not hard and fast. It's a starting point that, again, we've like uh, like, uh, quasi-references as as like most cubed. Most athletes, most of the time in most Mm -hmm. positions, right? Mm -hmm. It it is a starting point that will get you damn close. Thank you, Nick. Uh, We will transfer that over um, to Andrew. Um, (laughs) um, But again, if you don't have that reference point, if you don't have that reference point, then you're going to be in trouble. The other, uh, the other thing that would be cool is just like talk a little bit about this, like set up positions for long limbed athletes in the deadlift. Like why would anatomy be important here, Andrew?
2: Yeah. So that's one. And that's what I did, man. I tried to write an article on that with long Kilgore stuff way back in the day. Like first times we were able to write an article, the hips are going to be higher because in regards to where the bar is, the femur is longer. So your hips need to be higher. And that's essentially the whole article. But you, if you, I it. like I, it. It's
0: succinct. Article. It's to the point. This is great.
2: Yeah. That's it. Um,
0: so, but so on that same note, um, like I've like, you'll hear people be like, hey, in the deadlift, you want vertical shins. And I'm like, that depends on yeah. the anatomy of the athlete. If it's athlete. Jay, you could very well have vertical shins, right? He's 4'11". 11, 4'9". Right? If you're 11 and a half, right. If you're Andrew Charlesworth, who's six, three, very unlikely that you would have a vertical shin.
2: Absolutely. Why do you squat so uh, wide, Jason? Can we, in that anatomy, I always have wondered like, what, what is it that like, do you like it? Like, is that comfortable for you? You love back squatting. You hate cardio. Why do you squat so wide? Because for your levers, it does not make any
0: sense to me. The floor is yours. Oh, well, he, for, he, he does low I, bar. Just for the record. Okay. I, did,
1: okay, I did high bar actually this morning. I did three by fifteen at two twenty five. Um, it was part of cap programming. Um, I when I wear my nobles, I squat more narrow. So I <laughs> think as just like lifter. I don't, I shouldn't say like they they are nobles, but lifters. So I think it does have to do with my ankle mobility. Okay. So I go wider, probably to accommodate that. And when I'm wearing lifters. I'm pretty, I'm actually, I would say I'm actually narrow, not even um, in my squat stance. Uh, I've had some, I've had some back issues going on and I do think it can be attributed to
0: your weight. (laughs) 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 That
1: was good. Um, um, My, my squat form. I think I over, and I actually had an x-ray like a week ago that uh, showed, I'm, I'm, A, I'm crooked. And B, <clears throat> when I squat, I initiate a lot, like by setting my butt back, and I think I'm putting a lot of pressure on my low back. So that's why I high barred today with the goal of going a little more straight up and down.
2: You should read the knees over toes guy book, and then just do whatever he tells you to do, and make that your new religion.
1: I, I checked out knees over toes. Do you think that would help my low back? No,
2: I'm actually that was like a joke. It was oh, uh, okay. sarcastic.
0: You, could, you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't hence You couldn't taste <laughs> He was like,
1: oh, so yeah. If, if it helps, like my back's been bugging me. So I was like, oh, yeah, I will do whatever it takes to – if that helps. Right now, it's just a lot of edibles at night. Hmm.
0: That uh, We could talk about that for a second because – Edibles? Uh, I'm an, that F- F- I'm an, I'm an that, L4 that, when it comes that, to that. That, that too. <laughs> but go back to the – so, Jay, the knees over toes guy. And then, Andrew, have you played around with any of his stuff?
2: I really like the – um I. I like his philosophy on lengthening the hips flexor through tension. Like, okay. you know, his little, uh, on step on a thing and do yep. a lunge. And he's really adamant about that. And I really think that would help. And then the, uh, that monkey foot thing where you put a dumbbell on your foot and build the hip flexor strength. I think a lot of people have back issues because of lack of hip flexor strength. And then they're like, Oh, I can work that through the GHD. And eh, there's, it's hard. It's harder than just doing that.
0: Kind I got of, flex, hit, hit flexor in that in that context, being what you're talking about the SoAs specifically, correct? Yes. Okay. So, um, so
1: CrossFit is giving away some equipment here in Colorado. I'm hoping to get a GHT.
0: Why? Or why are why they, they giving they... away equipment?
1: Because they're closing down the office.
0: Where is it going?
1: To <laughs> trainers in Colorado. They're not. There's there? no. There's <laughs> no, no longer no, there. going to be an office, I guess. Oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. That's the thing. I actually have an extra one of these. I could. I have I have
1: an unopened box in my gym right now because they sent me these and I've not used it yet.
0: And this is what I can't see. Do you hook hook a dumbbell? Oh, never mind. Yeah. You you think
1: I should what? Stand tall and just do like knee. You got to stand on a
2: box and you should be able to do a set of twenty with um, unbroken, you know, and get your hip like get your knee. Let's see where is it? That thing, the The high knees. knees. Yeah, right there. That thing just blows you up. I was doing it every day for a while, and then I would do a hamstring curl after and my hip had never felt better. And then I just stopped because it's like if
0: okay. you don't have that, you can yeah, just use like the mini bands, right? So just hook them around your toes and then I do, just I like them.
2: You know, I like the bands, but they it's just a different type of tension. You don't well, get Well, I'm
0: just saying, like if you don't want yeah, it is different it's increasing obviously as you go into yeah. into a further range of motion. But if you didn't have wanna buy one of those, like you could do the poor man's version and probably use something sure. in the gym that you already have.
1: He does those Tib Tibialis raises. I watched like yeah. he's got an intro video with like three drills, and I was doing it for a bit. Up but...
0: on the wall, right?
1: Yeah, you kind of push yeah, your yeah, yeah, butt right. back against yeah. the wall. Yeah, all I right. don't think any of that
2: stuff's bad. I just think in general, like when somebody comes to me with all this new cool stuff, I'm like, <clears throat> nobody. Do you have a 10 minute plank? You know, as I I always ask, right. people, like, do you do you have a 10 minute plank? Because How's chances your nutrition. Are, ch- ch- yeah, chances are your core's weak, and that is just radiating out like get a 10 minute plank and then uh let's come back like let's- well
1: i also being a firm believer in crossfit i'm like if i have short amount of time like i do crossfit and then if i have additional time sure check out knees over toes check out monkey stuff like do your accessory work it's but tough. the foundation is like am i doing constantly varied fun and if you're doing that like you're you are gonna work a lot of this stuff i mean you're getting a full range of motion of the knee joint if we're squatting below mm-hmm. parallel like I, I that's my foundation and then I'll sprinkle in some of this other stuff
0: well I think as a coach that's where that's that's your job right so your job is to be able to decipher what is this person looking for what do they need and what dosage do they need it um, do they need that at all or is just that something that they're you know self diagnosing off of you know, PubMed and they're like I've got you know a QL issue so I'm going to do all this stuff and you're like maybe I don't know but like let's take a look at it I know you squat like shit so let's start there yeah. um, and some of those things maybe you know they might have some deficiencies in range of motion they may they may have like weaknesses in in certain positions that just need to be addressed you know so yes I would agree biggest bang for your buck is training but we shouldn't overlook the fact that they might need a little bit of prehab rehab work on the side, but you know, I'm, I'm always a little skeptical when the whole training regimen turns into rehab prehab. Now there's definitely a spot for that. If you, if you're pretty jacked up, then that's probably what you will be doing for a while. There, there's a time and a place for it. But I think where you can add the biggest bang for your buck as a trainer is having, you know, at least a cursory knowledge of these things so that you can just be like, Hey, cool. That is actually a useful tool. Here's what that is for. And here's about how much that you probably need for in order to get the, you know, some sort of utility out of that tool or exercise or position or whatever it might be.
2: That was awesome. Well um, I think like well, in, you. Uh, you guys are like this. I, man, I had a couple of summers ago where I just had a bad chain of events happen. I had a jujitsu, just nightmare injury. And then, um, I went right into a
1: one wheel nightmare injury. Oh yeah. You had a, you both have had bad one wheel injuries. And, uh, I
0: think was- he gave me cataracts. <laughs> 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 I'm not even kidding you. I went in like two years later and he's like, Have you had a head trauma? And I was like, No. And then I thought about it, I was like, Oh, wait, I have had a head trauma. Dude, that thing
2: is anyway. I did um remember the uh the a better warm-up written by Glassman back in the day. It oh was... yeah, great one. So I did it's the called the CrossFit Warm-Up, and I couldn't bring my hand over my head, I couldn't hang from a bar, and I was like, you know what? What if I do the CrossFit warm-up every single day? And then I'm gonna modify my workouts, but like I will use that as my rehab. And on day 97, I was officially good. Like I, I couldn't, I modified because of the crossfit up: be 500 meter row, 10 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, um, yeah, GHD yeah, set up. Ring dips, right? Yeah. Or, or ring, ring dips. dips. Like you can go yeah. up or down, but hip <laughs> extensions, GHD sit-ups, um, overhead squats of the PVC and then a, the Samson stretch. And you did that three Ray rounds.
1: Rick wrote that, I believe. Yeah.
2: And so you could go up and go down like by the end. Yeah. You be, might be doing ring muscle ups if you're, Uh, you know, if if you can grease the groove and make that like a skill that you can just walk into the gym at 6 a.m. and do, which is cool. But yeah, I remember by day 97, I was able to go back to like strict pull-ups, no pain, et cetera. And I did nothing different except those movements, which entail everything. And uh, well,
0: this is, that is a, I would just guessing based on what you told me, I would attribute that to movement quality Mm -hmm. without focus on intensity, Yeah, which I think, Every, I think everybody forgets, you can still execute that idea in the context of a class.
2: How? I'm not, I believe you. I'm just saying how. I want people <laughs> to know how. Like,
0: you can just tell that athlete, be like, hey, this wor- this training session is for quality, right? still going okay. to be hard, but I'm not worried about you moving fast. I'm, I'm worried about you getting a good training session, but moving as well as possible, which means don't move fast, right? Because we know that threshold training will lead to errors and faults. So let's just avoid that. Let's move as well as humanly possible. And in a lot of instances, you can start to correct those things and then go back to intensity because it's not like throw intensity out with the bathwater. It's just like understanding what this person's deficiency based on their anatomy or their injury or their circumstances or whatever, modifying the training appropriately in order to correct said problem and then reintroducing intensity back into the equation at an appropriate rate moving forward so they can continue seeing results. Because there's there was a shift there in training. The shift was no was not for performance results. When we shifted to movement for 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 quality, it was corrective in nature. There was an injury or something that we were dealing with, so we shifted the focus. But that doesn't mean that's now the new training protocol forever. Right. Eventually, I want to go back to something that's like progressing me down the line and whatever it is that I'm chasing or whatever that looks like for me.
2: I know with our program, Jen writes. You know, right, wrong, <laughs> or different. She just she specifically writes. This is a competitive day. We call it a compete day. And then um, we have a few train days. And then we have a day that we we kind of like to slow people down and have them pick their own endurance. Um, I mean, we, it's, it's not a routine, however.
1: I love that you do the 10 rounders every three minutes. like. 20. Yeah, you know, I'm
2: like what Fern said, it's I want people to focus on quality, but I, I want them to know their gauges and intensity, really. Like I, I want them to understand hey, this day I I need, I really need to lay it down. And I hate to say it, but we found with our community, it's just really once a week are people really laying it down. And then on the other few days, you're kind of seeing how you're feeling, see how you slept, see how your day was. Um, And and you have the option. Is is today a day I'm laying it down or is today a day I'm just going? Take for example, the day I am, I was stressed to the gills and that's when I'm going to get injured. That's when I'm going to walk into the gym and do something stupid. And, uh,
1: you know what your wife would tell you to do?
2: Go take a walk. Yes, thank we'll
1: you. Let's I want I want to we have I want to talk about one more question before we go to a commercial. Why do we see the Bounce Clean so often these days versus Hang Power Clean? Huge Bounce Clean fan. With a true hip hinge, is <laughs> Big that Bounce clean Don't you have coach? an
0: Instagram handle like Bounce Man Bounce Clean bounce or something, bounce something like that?
1: Bounce He's the Bounce Clean King is what he goes by the BCK. It's cycle time. Um,
2: it's cycle time and time under tension, right? Hold that up, Cody. Please. It's like what we, what the actual clean. Does he have what it He's looks like? He's got a
1: video of you doing cleans. There you are in that gray tank. How does cycle barbell?
2: That's First idea. of all, it's a red tank. Oh, the, the lady. The lady.
1: What do we got here? Turn that volume down so it don't get flagged. Yeah. It's choppy. Cody... Uh, Andrew Cody lives in uh, Alabama, so he does. He's on. Uh, they don't have. He, they million. don't have
0: internet. They
1: don't have. There is,
2: is a growing popularity for Airbnb. I'll have to hit him up.
1: I saw that new place you got.
2: Yeah, cool. See, like that. I don't love. Ah, that's like right there. You know.
1: That's almost a standard clean at that point. No. Yeah. So, so explain the difference of a balanced clean versus just your hang power clean to the listeners.
2: On the bounce clean, you keep your torso vertical, you wait till your arms get straight, and then you try to use the momentum and of the barbell, like on the literally on the plates of the barbell to bounce it off your quads vertical, and then you fastly whip your elbows under. So you don't you don't in reality use a ton of hamstrings. You almost take out half of the movement. But it is so hard to teach and to understand that exactly what Fern said when we were offline. I run the class through a hang power clean, warm up, and then let's say that's eighty five percent, and then maybe I leave ten percent. Hey, if you want to try the bounce clean, if it feels like if you get it, do it, if you like. But if you don't get it, don't try because you will end up screwing yourself up. I, I tell them that straight up.
0: Who is who who mute are, for,
1: you're muted? Who is that?
0: It looks like Todd for a second, but it's not. But, but this is um, no. Uh, But that looks like it could be the uh, but this is the difference is like essentially hip flexion, right? Or this hip hinge position where you don't have it where the bounce clean is that position right there as they work through. And it's an advanced technique, right? And it's largely used for competition. It's not great if you are trying to get really proficient at the clean. It is a it is a technique to cycle the barbell at light to moderate loads really quickly. If, yeah. if we're doing something for said time, like that's what it's for. So while it's a technique, I don't think it's something that's optimal inside of the affiliate. Right. It's not something you should be like teaching a progression uh, for in your classes or anything like that. If you have people that have those aspirations, cool, you can get into that. But like you said, Andrew, <clears throat> at the point we start talking about the bounce clean, we're introducing other things into this equation, which are like, how athletic are you? Like, can you, can you string this together? Because that is going to be one of the number one factors in like making this happen. It's just like, are you an athlete? Um, and for most people it's just not something that's necessary. Um, again, not necessarily bad because it absolutely mathematically can lead to more power output, which is like, okay, cool. If that's the goal, then knock yourself out. But even that I would argue should still be done with optimal technique with regard to that movement.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're taking so much like, muscle hypertrophy out of the movement too. It's the same thing when you do like butterfly pull-ups with kipping. I mean, if you've ever done kipping pull-ups, like if you have a set of 50 butterfly pull-ups, but you're forced to do a kipping pull-up workout, you'll be absolutely roasted. I did that with Hobart once and I was just like, dude, this is nuts.
0: So much more time under tension by oh, switching back. It's like double.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Before we get to some of the concerns we should talk about with lordosis and kyphosis, we've got a testimonial from dennis lesniak qda in buffalo new york if you follow our shows tomorrow on the progression three thirty eastern time dennis will be coaching in class and i will be giving feedback let's hear from him and his experience with affiliate you
0: Hey guys, Fern here real quick. I just want to share a quick success story from one of the hundreds of gems that we've been able to help inside of affiliate U. and our mission and best hour of their day is to ultimately improve and grow the greater CrossFit community by building better boxes and creating better businesses with better coaching staff. So we can bring CrossFit to the masses, check it out. And if you think we can help you, don't hesitate to reach out one of my biggest wins working with affiliate you was stepping back from constantly being in the business working versus being on the business
1: working. you know i was the hey, coaching all the classes, here all day, every day, doing everything. And it took me a long time to kind of loosen those reins. but in doing so, I've been better able to help more people because my impact is being better used on my team. And then when I am coaching classes,
0: I'm coaching better classes. And that then shows my team more what we're looking for and it makes everyone better. That was awesome, and we're back. Minus Jason Ackerman because he had to go pee. That's probably why this is happening. I'm surprised he doesn't just go off camera. <clears> Speaking <throat> of anatomy, Andrew, what would lead to uh, <laughs> a, 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 a grown man who's not actually grown, a grown man who's like not actually full size, having the bladder size Dude, of, a tod- of a toddler? Still,
2: you haven't got that checked out. Like this is. I've detailed files on human anatomy.
1: I drink a lot of water. I don't I think know, anything that, is
2: wrong with me. Yeah, it, why do you need that much water? Can I don't you, think it's good for your I'm kid. Doing now.
1: seventy-five hard. I gotta drink. No, again. you're not.
2: Oh my gosh, Jason, you I'm did doing just the water part of seventy-five
1: hard? Yeah. You're like <laughs> it's not seventy-five you're hard.
2: Five hard. Um, what's the your one idol you told me the one time? Um, the gym launch dude, or uh, which I have listened to some of his stuff. Um, Mosey. Just, if finals. you can wave like a. Like a, this is cool, new shiny object in front of you. You'll Liver just go, King.
1: I like Liver King. He's um, all
0: natural, by the way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was wrong about that one. All right, <laughs> let's get to number four. What are some concerns we should be aware of as coaches with athletes who are lordotic or kyphotic?
2: I like what Jason said, what Fern said earlier. There comes a line where don't <laughs> pretend like you can say that word to sound really smart, and you can just fix it or you should know if they truly have issues, they need to be outsourced. Like if their movements are so gross and they say they have no pain, then I guess we're going to make sure their loads are appropriate with, you know, intensity. But
0: we like, should probably I talk about what the difference between those two before we just start. Yeah, I'll look at it. Wow. This is amazing. Who? This is unreal. Unreal.
1: What is this drawing this or the fact thing. that like, Cody,
2: like Jason said or Fern said, and,
0: Andrew just found topic. out about the internet.
2: Well, you, yeah, I, you, we have so many things with the, uh, this account rep role that like we're just we're just we have we're overloaded. If conspiracy. you need
1: someone to pull up clips and pictures, hire Cody. Um, you have to pay him for forty hours a week, and he works about thirty minutes.
0: Okay. So yeah. real quick, we'll, we'll unpack these pictures for anybody that's listening. So just the terms lordosis <laughs> yeah. and, and kyphosis are not inherently bad, meaning like everybody has them, meaning like uh, lord, lordosis being the natural curvature of your lumbar spine and kyphosis being the natural curvature of your um, of your T-spine, right? So <clears throat> they're not good or bad, right? They're, they just are. Now, if you have excessive lordosis or kyphosis this could potentially be kyphotic and this picture all the way um to the right uh is scoliosis which is curve in the wrong direction
1: meaning like left to right um i I had this conversation with the coach of development group yesterday and i think something we talk about at the level one is your natural s curvature is what your back looks like so if the person with kyphosis lordosis scoliosis is standing up tall at the bottom of their squat I don't expect them to have a normal S curvature. I expect them to maintain their natural S curvature.
2: Yeah. Like my wife, Jen has one of the craziest scoliosis to the point where like really? they were considering putting her in a back brace when she was a kid. Um, And I, I don't like, it is nuts. I've seen the x-rays. And we finally, when she was competitive in the regionals and everything, we were kind of worried, like, should you really be snatching 70-pound dumbbells? Like, you weigh 130 pounds and your back is completely an S. And we, we talked to a professional and they were like, oh, no big deal. Like, he was so relaxed. He's like, and he said a quote. He's like, gravity and essentially your, your just anatomy is smarter than anything else. Like, you've adapted over your life to make this inherently not dangerous. So don't worry. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. And um I was like, cool. <laughs> just leave it.
0: You're like, I like this guy.
1: So basically not a big deal. Just, uh,
0: well, so like, let's use just for, for reference here. Right. So if we were to use this kind of what we would call excessive kyphosis, which I could, I could probably definitely qualify for that. Like, you think so? I mean, maybe like if I, like, if you look at my upper back, like it's pretty, like you can't see it in this picture, but like, if, yeah, I don't know. Like it's curved, right? Where that's problematic, you know, if we're talking about anatomy and physiology, if somebody did have, you know, excessive kyphosis or curvature of their T spine, like there's certain things that I could accidentally put them into less than advantageous positions, right? So if you're thinking about the front squat, not not inherently being froated uh, or loaded frontally is going to make it problematic. However. What you do with your hands will exacerbate the problem, right? So if I have somebody that has uh, kypho- like kyphosis that's excessive, and then I bring their hands inward, it's going to exacerbate that rounded yeah. back position. At which point, then I frontally load it, and now it's worse. So if you have somebody that's in that position, like in that in that kyphotic position right there, or kyphosis. I might need to think about like widening their hand placement in something like a front rack in order to create the widest bridge left to right in order to try to flatten that out as much as possible so that loading doesn't make it worse. Now, that's not necessarily going to fix it, but just like something that could mitigate it uh, and then managed with load, obviously.
2: Yeah. And then you're going to have kyphotic people like myself, Fern, and now all these others, like they're this is this is like i cannot i could not get a front rack with like a a wider grip if you paid me any sort of money like there it's just so it's probably good rehab for you to simply just try to hold the bar here like i'm already cramping up attempting to do this right now because i for me to front rack i have to like i have to dig to even get the elbows up so like there's no chance of um
0: i used to be like well, I used to be like that too and then Phil our weightlifting coach here who there'll be a podcast coming out with him um probably in the next, next several weeks but like we were just working on just like just like how to manipulate my shoulders to create like a broad shelf in that front rack position versus here in this position like it's it's quite literally oh, thinner it. left to right than it, than it was if I just you know create a big chest in that position and I was just like oh I didn't even know I was doing this is years ago but drastically improve, increase my ability to to get Heavy loads in the front rack position for a clean, instead
1: of looking like a wet taco.
2: <laughs> a wet taco.
1: So let's let's keep it moving. Let's go on to um, the next question,
0: Cody. see what I'm doing here, Cody? He's doing it because he has nothing of value to add to the show, Cody. says like, I might as well keep the timeline in check.
1: No, i You know, hey, you're a flow master. <laughs> you know how boring the timeline is. Um, some people just aren't kinesthetically aware. What are your best tips and tricks for helping people develop that awareness? Ooh, that's a challenging one. What do you got, Andrew?
0: Dr. Andrew?
2: Yeah. It, so, aren't kinesthetically aware of their positions in space? Are we talking a specific movement or posture? Just
0: in, in general, just somebody who's, somebody who, you know, broadly falls in the motor moron category. Yep. We're just like, yep. oh, you don't know
2: how to move your limbs. This is yep. going to be rough. Isometrics, pauses, tempos. <laughs> light loads um even like that's when i bring up you know elevate your heels on a plate something like that when somebody's like i don't know what it's like to get my torso up I'm like i'm going to show you right now and then you're going to hold that position then you're going to put a plate out in front of you you're going to squeeze every muscle in your body you're going to come up one inch you're going to go back down one inch you're going to come up five inches you're going to go back down you're going to marry that position and you're going to not come off tension and sweat like i know if jason's really into uh stretching and I was too. I actually almost ran the CrossFit stretching course at one point. You took- almost
1: ran that? Uh, I took it with
2: Ray. And then I was going to be like, dude, I'm passionate about this stuff. And what the, the biggest thing in there is people think that they need more stretching to get more mobile. It's very untrue. They need more time under tension with loading in proper positions. So they're like, essentially their brain can understand it's safe to be in that position. And then they'll be able to get in that position. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, you know, something I say just about every, you know, level one during the front squat is, you know, no amount of stretching or yoga is going to get you better at this front squat. But simply working through this position is going to get you there.
0: Yeah. Well, we shouldn't poo-poo on stretching. Like stretching is important. Oh, yeah. You do need it, right? And I would would push back, Jay. There is some amount of stretching that would help you in the front squat.
1: Yes, I agree. Like if you go to <laughs> yoga, you will probably wind up better in the front squat, but it won't be as drastic as quick, you know, safety, efficacy, efficiency, right? As One able. without the other
0: yeah. is, is not the solution is probably the the fairest answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you shouldn't train them in – you shouldn't stretch and hope it's going to fix it and you shouldn't just load yourself and hope it's going to fix it. Like you should be doing them in conjunction. For sure. Fair and enough.
2: I think that's where like the knees over toes guy got all of his – he, he's getting all the results for these people. It's like you, you, if you learn to do a Nordic, uh, you know, a Nordic raise, which is like that whole, you know, if you don't know, I just look it up. If you can do yeah, like a
1: quad, it's basically like, like, if, like a leg extension. Yeah, if you
2: can, if your spine can flex under load and you're doing those, you know, rounded back, like deadlift thingies, I know there's a, or, name or
0: for a Jefferson curl or something. Yeah,
2: Jefferson curl, all that, like, you're probably going to be better off. That being said, um, you know you're probably not going to have as many tweaks but like a guy juji mufu um he's a he's he's a, a freak. and i read his, i read all his books and he makes how great many
0: books, books does he have
2: dude he has a ton of books and they are really? awesome. yeah and um one thing he said i feel
0: uneducated now i thought he was just like an instagram no guy.
2: dude he's real smart real smart guy and uh he'll tell you like look at joint rotations um he he drafted me to another book which was a russian book, like translated. So it was kind of weird, but if you break your wrist in Russia and you don't have range of motion, they'll just sit there and tell you to twist it 2000 times a day until you have range of motion. They're not wrong, right? They're not, <laughs> they're not wrong. It's so if, you, if your knee hurts, yeah, there is. If your knee hurts, do a lot of, you know, like knee rotations, do a lot of flexion and extension. And, and do it in deep positions. Do it in, you know, half range of motion. Like, that's the way you're going to get better is by moving the joint through the full ranges under tension a lot of times. But that Russian book was nuts.
1: What does it mean by functional movement generally weds the spine to the pelvis? And what do you say to people that will argue they need more twisting motion in, in their training?
2: Joe Westerlin has a great answer for that what's his answer um, you so i don't even know if that was a question it was kind of missaid because it said functional movements weds of the spine like i would i didn't understand that but is that
1: functional not- movements generally weds the spine to the pelvis right so yeah okay most of the functional I, movements yeah
2: i i misunderstood so people say crossfit doesn't have enough twisting let's go to that the first part though functional movements typically start in your greatest position of power which is going to be the spine and the natural S-curve of the spine wetted to the pelvis. That's your strongest position to do anything from run, jump, clean, backflip, whatever you're going to do. And then the next thing is the lack of twisting or people say we need more twisting. That is actually, you're trying to teach anti-twisting. Like in reality, you want to learn to set up as optimal as you can in that position. Otherwise, that's where you end up hurting yourself. You end up hurting yourself in daily life when you accidentally twist with the laundry basket. You do. Like that's that's when those things happen. So if you never train it, like if you're just an average person at Walmart, you you typically will just do, you're like, oh, it makes sense for me to twist and train. You're extra screwed. If you just would have worked a deadlift in a good position with the natural S curve of the spine, one of the pelvis, you would probably know that, oh, my brain probably doesn't think this is a good idea to twist this laundry basket. So it's oh, like if you train you're more than likely going to go to the spot you train under load versus doing something stupid.
1: That's a, that's a And that's what Joe says, or did you kind of throw that out there?
2: I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but it was something like that.
1: Shout out to Joe, just had a new uh, baby boy. Right there. So, no, baby girl. Oh, is it a baby girl? He yeah. had a cruise, now he's got a girl. Um, oh, that's weird. That changes. I told him he can name it after me. That changes things. I
0: mean, it doesn't um, really change it. It's just she's, you know. <laughs> Not gonna have a great life now.
1: <laughs> um, so I like that because a lot of people will say, "Oh, you need to twist more." And and what you know, Glassman used to say it. I worked with Ripito, He used to say it. It's like, well, if we can get you stronger with a stable spine wedded to the pelvis, when you do have to twist, you're far less likely to be injured because you're stronger. Period. Yeah. So there's that. I- and then I like what you just kind of added to that, which is, well, if you twist in training. Now you're more likely to twist in the real world when in reality, that's not something you should be doing, especially under load, but consistently.
0: I, I think that that whole discussion, it just lacks context, right? Cause we, we would all like, if given a little bit more context, probably agree rotational training, right. Or sagittal or whatever, like that is that when, when you're like, I'm in need of said thing, it is generally either due to probably some sort of significant injury or sports specific, right? The average person could just train almost exclusively in the frontal plane and they would be just fine rotationally, not to say that it's not important, right? But my thing is just like rotational is just like, are you a throwing athlete? We should probably work some rotational strength, right? Like, are you a grappler? Are you uh, BJJ? Like where rotation or being caught in a position where you're going to be twisted is probably something that is highly likely to, to happen in everyday training. Then this position now becomes a bit more important in your training. So I don't think it's like no rotational training or not. It's just like, Hey, in, in, in the context of who this person is, do they just need a general program and we can forego a lot of the twisting for the most part and maybe throw it into some accessory work or warm up and you'd be just fine? But if you're talking about a baseball player, a hockey player, lacrosse player, do you need rotation? Yeah, that's called throwing. Yeah. Right. Like you, that you would probably benefit a, a fighter punching. Yes. You'd be hard pressed to convince me that having more rotational strength and throwing a punch is not going to be advantageous to you. Like that's a silly statement. So I think everybody just likes to fight about stupid shit. And this is one of them. And it's like rotation is important. Like you need to do it as a human being. If you have good strength and movement patterns moving inside of the frontal plane, you're probably just fine. And then if you're trying to be a sports physical athlete and pay your mortgage doing athletic things, yeah, you should probably throw some rotation in.
2: But even that, Fern. Like, I would even disagree. Not like I like the level two answer with sports specificity. Like, do then do CrossFit, get really strong in the frontal plane, and play your sport. That's going to be your best bet. Like, you you actually don't. I don't even think throwers need ridiculous amounts of extra volume of rotation. They have that's why their shoulders end up going like a baseball. You know, they they have all these injuries. I get. You oh well,
0: you you your statement there is correct. Ridiculous amounts is probably not something that I would agree with. I'd be like yeah. enough rotation. Yeah.
2: I want to see right. them more dude. Like I want to see more athletes do. I want to see more athletes do CrossFit and then go do their sport and be like, well, what do you do for training? I just do CrossFit. And then I, I play my sport. That's it. And that's why I'm well, the best.
0: The other thing is just like, if we're thinking about throwing specifically, if we think about the amount of trunk rotation that is actually happening in something like that, it's not that much. It's not excessive, right? Like you're not getting like full twists in those positions. I think it's just more of a, it's more of like, you should be strong in the frontal plane. You should be able to hold static positions or or isometric positions through range of motion, which is kind of what we talk about. Like that's the importance of static positions, which is resisting the flexion, the extension, the rotation, but you're going to have those positions in sport. And then training them enough that they add value or power output to whatever your thing is. But if you get totally into rotation, you, you're probably lacking some other things, right? So it, it's like, it all goes back to what we teach in level one. is like, how much of any one of these things do I need? Only enough that makes me better at what I'm trying to achieve.
1: Yep. Well, and also, you, you've you talked about this before, Fern. Like, that sports-specific training is probably better left served to your sports-specific coach, right? We're, we're here to get you gpp fitter etc which we believe will translate to your your sport however you have a throwing coach if you're you know baseball you have a punching you know coach of your a boxer, whatever like th- better leave that to the experts
0: well a- another thing that should be uh, thrown into that just sport specific stuff is like a lot of times what you'll see rotation ro- in rotational training are things that are like I don't want to say heavy, but a little bit heavier maybe than they should be for rotational purposes. And then just I'll just throw it out there. I don't want to make any assumptions like what kind of speed are we talking when people are training rotational movements? Fast. Right. Well, no, no, like what do you how you see them training them fast? I typically see them training them slow. Right, like rotation. Oh, really?
1: Movements.
0: Yeah, typically, right? So are you thinking like unless you get somebody who's moving into like medicine ball tosses or something like that. So like I
1: know, Yeah, I was thinking like that or like the, uh, landmine type stuff that's going on
0: yeah but that's even slow compared to actual rotational movements inside of sport those are very very fast and under low to no load right if i'm thinking about sport specific actions so you have to think about like the load and the utility of of because it doesn't always just because i could move something heavy doesn't mean i can move it fast like yeah. in a lot of instances, you could, it would actually be detrimental to your ability to do something quickly or rotate quickly or, or, or like be snappy in a movement. So you're, we're getting into the nuances here. And that's why I think it's just like context, right? It's not an all or nothing. It's like how much, what's the load? What's the frequency? What's the volume? Like, is it making this person better? Or do I just like to call myself the rotational guy because it's some sort of niche thing inside the the makes fitness me, space? Right. It makes me the seem
1: unique guy. Uh, well, Cody, come on the screen. What else do we need to chat about?
0: Uh, what else do we need to chat about? Um,
1: I, I mean, I think you guys pretty much. hit it. All. He was
0: taking a nap. He was. Uh, I don't
1: know. There for a minute. The you know the the main thing was was getting to efficient communication between coach and athlete. Like you guys all know this. A lot of coaches may know this, but in the manual, it's like, why, why does the layman need to know this, right? Like why, why do my everyday members that walk into the door need to understand and why do we need to have a common vernacular or communication as coach to athlete? Yeah. And I think we made it pretty clear. They don't, right. I think the, the whole point is as a, as a coach, it's important for you to understand how the body moves. It's important to, for you to, you know, dig in and, and learn and expand your arsenal but at the end of the day your members just have to move well and they don't have to know why they're moving well how to move well they just have to move well and and some members will want to learn more many members won't care yeah, oh my God. all right